here we go. Well, we're here with Rachel Carver, and uh, just going to talk a little bit about um, her experiences here in Omaha and her impressions and, and suggestions for how our community can, uh, can grow and, and improve. Um, so Rachel, you're uh, from Iowa originally. Could you tell us just a little bit about your background and how you made your way to Omaha? Sure. So I was actually born in Omaha, and then we moved to southwest Iowa when I was in elementary school. And then I went to college in northwest Iowa, and then after some time job searching, I ended up back in Omaha to work for Outlook Nebraska. Great. When you um, think about your experience in our community, um, what what do you love about it? I love Omaha. We used to come here when I was growing up because we lived about an hour away. And so living in a small town and then coming into the city, and there's always there's always different things to do. There's, there's an element of, um, I guess, what you call Nebraska nice here. <laughs> Uh, people are always friendly and, and conversational and um, going to different networking events. Uh, you can usually find someone to talk to, and there's a very diverse sense. I mean, you can get food anywhere from Greek to Thai to Mexican to comfort food. If you come to Omaha and you can't find something to eat, then you have a serious problem. Um, and then just you know, like I said, any anywhere from the, the Capital District to uh, Shadow Lake in Sarpy County. Um, I My husband and I like just going to different places around the community and really being able to take, take things in that we might not be able to every day. So you might have a unique perspective as someone who is um, blind. Could you um, tell us, as someone who is blind, what might be the biggest positives of Omaha, and then what could be some of the biggest challenges? Um, so positives, I think that Omaha has got a grid system. So you know that um, numbered streets go one way, and lettered streets go one way, and um, it's once you kind of get get the hang of the the big streets like 72nd, 84th, Dodge, um, you can navigate it pretty well. And usually, like, um, in my neighborhood over by Bangleson's, there's there's a hy V close, there's a CVS. Um, so as, as someone who is blind, and if I can't drive, um, there are things that I can I can get to easily. There's um, whether it's personal or, or professional or, um, or uh, business, consumer goods. Um, and like I said, just um, people are usually friendly and, and willing to help in that, that diverse um, entertainment aspect. There's, there's things to do for family and for um, young you know, college students and single people. Um, I, I do think there's a variety of things here in Omaha that, that fit everyone. Um, some negatives, I guess, um, I go back to this because I'm blind, but the, the public transportation system is limiting as far as it, it only covers a certain area of the city. Um, 
and there's there's like this circle that that goes back and forth because Omaha was designed Omaha and the surrounding area was designed for cars and so we have um, places like um, the northwest corner of 72nd and F where there's no sidewalks um, that makes it hard for for pedestrians who want to walk um, we have some bike trails and that is improving um, but our, our buses, um, I can name, like, for example, on 84th Street, um, buses only go um, from the transit center at Exarbon, and then they go as far as uh, Q Street on 84th, and that's it. That is a huge street, and there's a lot of places that are missing. Um and I, I know that this is an area that's that is continuing to be worked on and evaluated. Um, but if you are relying on public transit, there are just um, certain places like you know West Omaha that you're not going to be able to get to. And with there are these um, companies that are coming in, and there there are shortages for our workers, but there's people that can't get to those places to work. So there's there's definitely room for some improvements there. In your travels to other cities, where have you had a better experience with that, and how was that experience better? Um, so I lived in Minneapolis for a while. Now, granted, this was several years ago, but it was all over the city, and I could get buses every 10 to 15 minutes, and it didn't matter if it was over a county line. That is one thing that I wish we could do some some collaboration on, across county lines, so between, um, for example, Douglas and Sarpy counties, um, because when you when you can collaborate your resources, um, like um, in Minneapolis, I could go from Minneapolis to St. Paul uh, pretty seamlessly, and it was more than just one bus at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. It was um, throughout the day. So I, I went on job interviews because I lived up there for a few months when I was looking for work. And I went over to Bloomington. I went over to St. Paul. Um, and it really, it was easy to do. And, you know, not having a lot of money, I didn't I didn't want to take, take cabs. And I, I didn't have to. And obviously it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as fast as a car would be, but it was still pretty efficient um, for me to get around um, on the buses and of course there was a light rail but that is a bigger city and so a light rail here I don't know that is very practical but um, having more frequent buses made a difference. How would you define inclusion Rachel? So when I think about inclusion um, my experiences in that vary a lot so it could be as simple as um, if you have a work team and you've got someone on it with a disability, whether it's a visual disability or wheelchair disability, um, it's working as a team to uh, leverage everyone's strengths and making sure that um, if someone has a vision has vision loss, that they still have access to your materials um, and on. And it kind of works both ways, so that, that person is also collaborating and, and saying what they need. Um, there's also, 
social situations. Like, um, for me, I can now go to the Orpheum Theater or the Omaha Community Playhouse, and I can um, attend a show with audio description, which is someone who's live in the audience who's telling me everything that's happening on the stage. So I can go with a group of sighted people and experience all the same things that they do. Um, and I guess just, um, I, for the lack of a better word, um, embracing differences. So knowing that it's, it's okay to be different and people are going to do things differently and even have different opinions. But, um, that collaboration I think is very important, whether it's in work or social or personal, um, and to, to be able to, to have that dialogue and be able to, to work together. Is there anything about your definition you think would be common to others' definitions or what, what might be different? Um, yeah, I think there are some things that are common about making sure that everyone is included in what you're doing. I think I will gravitate more towards the disability aspect just because I've been blind all my life, but I'm sure there are instances when it comes to um, race or sexual orientation that people feel that they're that they're not included, and I I think it's it is important to to work together to make sure that that everyone is included in things. How would you describe an inclusive community, and what do you, what would that look like? Um, so an inclusive community, for me, that spans anything from, um, making sure there are a variety of activities for people with all different religions and beliefs, um, to making sure that public buildings have wheelchair ramps, um, to making sure that when a kiosk is used, that it is able to be used by anyone, whether it's, okay, I, I am in a wheelchair, I need to reach it, to I am visually impaired and I can't see the screen, so I need some sort of, I need assistive technology, or I need something to speak to me so that I can use it independently. Um, and it, it is easier said than done because um, the term accessible has so many different meanings. Um, for me, when I say accessible, it means that I can use a website independently or that I can use an airport kiosk. Um, for someone in a wheelchair, it means that I can get into this building um, because there's a ramp or, you know, if the elevator breaks, then I can't get upstairs. Um, so it it is really important that the more we can all work together to ensure that everyone has access to things and has and feels like that there's a spot in our community where they belong. Um, and that can be anything from, from a church to a, a synagogue to, um, as I go back to the being able to access different things, having different disabilities. So it, it really runs the gamut as far as um, having a community that fits everyone's needs. Could you share a few examples of when you felt the most included and why you think you felt that way? 
Um, well, I, I know I keep going back to my work life, but um, it was nice when I came to Alec, Nebraska and I was interviewed. Um, I felt more included than I had at a lot of other interviews because no one really cared that I happened to walk with a cane. It was more like, um, tell us about your skills and your talents and what it is that you can bring to the business or to the organization. Um, and just, um, I work on a team with sighted people and I don't think that I'm viewed any differently because I'm blind. Um, there are, there are times that, you know, there's things that come up that we got to work through, but we work through them because we collaborate regularly. So, um, and then I guess, um, personally, when I met, um, I met some friends in college and I finally, I felt like it didn't bother them either that I had a cane. It was just, um, you know, there, there'd be some funny things that would happen. Like, you know, I might hit a door or might do something. And instead of making it a big deal, like, oh, that poor girl, she hit a door. It was, you know, relaxing and well, gee, you should, uh, use your cane and watch where you're going. <laughs> um, and I, I was able to have that social experience. I feel like in college, um, frankly, more so than in high school, I feel like it was, it wasn't as big of a deal in college as it was in high school. What are some characteristics of times that you have felt the least included in some examples? Um, well, um, in some of the work that I do at Outlook, um, I've reflected back on, for example, um, physical education classes in school. Um, I always would try to participate, but um, I wasn't, I didn't do as much as my peers did. And I, I know that, and it's still, um, it bothered me at the time, but I also knew that, that there wasn't, there wasn't much I could do about it because, um, the teachers only knew what they knew and living in a, in a rural setting, um, we didn't always have access to some of the things that, that I wish we would have. Um, but I think also when I look back, um, I, I learned some things and I, I learned how that felt. And so that's why I can be as passionate as I am now about, you know, making sure that, um, just because a student is blind, they still need to be, be active and they still need to do things like ride bikes and roller skate. And, um, and I, I did those things. Like I, I rode a bike, I put on rollerblades and went, uh, ride around with no cane, <laughs> uh, a little dangerous, but uh, I did. Um, but when it came to like, um, basketball, volleyball, um, those group sports, um, that's where there was definitely a, a difference as far as, um, of being able to fully participate. And so just, um, 
knowing now that, that there are ways that you can work around those things that I, I didn't know then. And it was, it was hard sometimes, but, um, I think, like I said, it also gave me characteristics that I have now that I can use. Um, and also, as I kind of mentioned earlier that it was, um, school and high school, um, it was a bigger deal that I had a disability, and I don't know if that's because I lived in a small town where things your people just are not as open-minded. Um, it's a fact, whether you're um, a minority or whether you have a disability. Um, but, and I, I'm not saying I didn't have friends, because I did. I had a couple good friends. Um, but, you know, there were times that I... I didn't feel as included as, and I wondered if I would have been more included when I could see, um, or if I could see, um, and some of that, some of that I, I have a different perspective on now. Um, like a uh, real quick, for example, I lived out in the country and so I was five miles from town. So when you have 16 and 17 year olds that have, uh, limited gas money, um, having to always drive to come pick someone up isn't necessarily going to be feasible, which I didn't know that at the time. My 16-year-old self wouldn't, didn't think about that because you don't, you don't think about others. You think about yourself at that age sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I, I've actually done a little bit of writing about that and how if you, if you put yourself in someone else's shoes, you don't, um, you might not know that you are, excluding someone and you might not be meaning to be it's just that um it it happens and I think it still happens for for different people in different ways so your husband Kevin was recently diagnosed with diabetic retinopathy and has been experiencing failing vision um would you be willing to share a little bit about what you've learned through that journey um Sure. So I used to, um, going back to working at Outlook again, um, I've talked to people at length with diabetes and that vision, that their vision loss was the reason of diabetes. And I never thought that it would impact us, you know, my, my family. So, um, when it, when it did though, um, I found myself going back to the resources that I knew existed and trying to figure out, okay, I have to be the one that, that gives him these resources and gives him these suggestions because someone's going through something traumatic like that. Um, you're, you almost have to help them lay out steps of, um, you, you have to lay out the steps for them to follow. I mean, it, I, um, I've heard somewhere, and I don't know off the top of my head where this comes from, but people fear blindness more than cancer, more than death, more than a lot of things. Um, and so it, it can be a, a very traumatic event that, that people go through. Um, and I also found myself, because um, as a blind person, when you have a sighted spouse, um, I don't want to say that I was a bad blind person, but it was easy for me because I didn't have to, I didn't use public transportation much. I didn't have to worry about 
um, navigating a busy mall because I would just, I would just go with Kevin and I would like, we would just walk together. Um, and then, and there have been times where he wasn't able to see very well at all. And so, um, it was kind of a reminder to myself to say, okay, you, you got to dust off some of these blindness skills that you know you have and, um, and start using them. (laughs) Um, I started taking the bus and I started walking across Dodge street and nap like, um, going to the store more often and getting a shopper. Um, but at the same time, um, I got, um, I got to watch him learn the, um, speaking technology on the iPhone. And I saw what, um, I saw what a difference that made because, I mean, he went from, like, asking me to help him download books on his phone to doing that himself. Um, and it, it, it makes a difference. And so when you have somebody going through vision loss and their family doesn't know what to do, um, I guess that has hit home for me a lot more now because I know... I know what it's like to sit, to watch your um, your person that you care about go through those things, and you don't. You, and I can't. And I I was unique because I knew how to help. I knew how to help him get through it, but not everybody does. And so I guess it's kind of um, it's made the work I do mean a lot more. And not not that it didn't have meaning before, but. Um, it does now because there are so many more people that need that need help with that. Are there any things about inclusion or your experience here in our community that you learned through that journey? Um, I guess I go back to the transportation thing again, but like, um, I learned that. I learned a couple things was one, um, we as a community need to do a better job of promoting the public transportation and using the bike trails and, and using and doing other things besides driving a car, if that's the direction we want to go. And I also learned that, um, there is some definite improvements needed on that front. I don't know if that really answered the question, but... What what kinds of things were the biggest challenges with transportation that you experienced when Kevin couldn't drive? Um, the hardest part was something simple like um, getting my son to preschool and getting myself to work every day. Um, it was about a two-hour feat with public transportation. And that, when you have a, a full-time job that you've got to get to, um, that is not really feasible. And so I, I actually, and that's two hours one way. So then, because um, there, were, there were some times when my husband was pretty, um, he had some restrictions from surgery. And so I was doing it all. I was taking him, taking my son and picking him up. And I actually came home one night. I hit a point and I was like, I... I can't do this anymore. I've got to figure out something else because the time that I am losing in productivity and the just 
just being exhausted from having to do all of that. And that is that doesn't even count all of the the other stuff like getting dinner on the table and, and doing things at work and um, the sheer commit the sheer commute was exhausting. <laughs> so um, my husband is actually driving again now, and I we neither one of us do not take that for granted because uh, we don't know if it's going to be permanent. We don't know when it could change. Um, and we do know, though, now that we are prepared, way more prepared than we were before, on what to do and, like I said, the resources that are available. Well, the census projects that over 60% of people living with blindness and low vision are unemployed and many, are, many more are underemployed. What do you think are the greatest causes of this, and how do you think this will change, and why? So, I think in terms of the high unemployment and underemployment for people who are blind, I think there's two, in my mind, there's two causes. So, the first is the confidence that the person with vision loss has in themselves. So... It is the, well, I can't see. I don't know that I can do that. I feel like I'm just going to, I'm better off to just stay home and collect my government benefits. And then there are the educate, there's the education factor from the employer side of, I don't know how a person who can't see could possibly use a computer or just being able to navigate to the restroom. So why would I hire them? So I think the biggest factor that's going to change any of that is education. So it is that grassroots of getting out to businesses and giving blind people the resources they need, whether that's the skills in technology or just having someone that's going to support them and frankly sometimes give them a little tough love and say you know what I I know you've what you've been through is really hard and you know a year has gone by now and you lost your vision but you've got to do something you can't just sit at home on the couch and we you see that a lot with people that lose their vision they isolate they're afraid to do things and um, sometimes it takes someone else to push them and say, yes, you can still do this. And I, I can say this from experience because I've had to do <laughs> some of this myself. Um, and it's not easy for the, the family member to have to do that. But um, And the, the more we can get all of the... The more that we can get the technology out there and that we can share with people that there are ways to provide employment and it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be big and fancy things like um, talking machines. Like, it can be very low-tech options. I mean, even, um, like, here at Outlook, we have talking microwaves. And so I don't have to bug someone else whenever I want to heat up my lunch. I just go do it. Um, that costs about the same as any other microwave would. And so there, so that's what I mean when I say low-tech options. Um, and the other thing is that, 
the more you, if you're willing to invest on the accommodations and the technology side, if you're willing to invest a little bit of money in someone who can't see, um, they will be very loyal to you and they will, they will work as hard as they can to, to do everything that they can for you because they know that you believe in them enough to spend $1,000 on some screen reading um, or um, some technology that will make their computer talk. Um, so I, um, if there's ways that, and that's I think what we are trying to do is just of that education factor and having people both visually impaired themselves and businesses realizing that, that this can be done. So I don't think it's, the unemployment and underemployment is not going to change overnight. It's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of collaboration in this community to make that happen and nationally to make that happen. What are the factors that have contributed the most to your success? I would say the things that have contributed to my success, at least in my, for sure in my career, um, was having an organization who was willing to take a chance on someone who was very young and green um, and was also blind. <laughs> um, and uh, I am a firm believer in mentors and having people who have been there, done that, and can help help guide you because... I don't ever want to stop learning, and so whether that's um, through a, a class at UNO or from someone else that has done sort of, you know, like I said, been there, done that, um, I know that I would not be where I'm at today without the people in my life, both um, professionally and personally. So um, my family has always been... Um, supportive and there there were times you know in, in college and even as a child growing up when I felt like things were hard and should I really do this and it was always yes um, you should and yeah it's going to be hard but um, you will find a way and um, so if, if when you have people supporting you that definitely makes a big difference and when you've got the support and you've got the, the work ethic to say, yeah, I'm, this might take me all night, but I'm going to sit here and do it. Um, for me, those have been the things that have, have gotten me to this point. So if you had a message for um, those listening on how they could empower people living with vision loss, what would that be? I would say if you are interacting with someone who has vision loss, they are just like you in the fact that they are just trying to live their life, whether they're a college student or they're working or they are retired, they are just wanting to do the things that, that make their life. So... They just go about doing those things a little bit differently. So I still get up every morning and drag my son out of bed and get him off to school and, and get to work. And I I just, 
the only difference is, is I physically don't drive myself to work. So, um, and ask a lot of questions because that's the only way you're going to learn is to ask questions. Sometimes I might ask too many questions about things, but I know that that's how I learn. And so I think that's how we can all learn is by having, having that dialogue and asking questions. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hang on.